Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Today's message is from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. How we doing? We good? All right, so I'm going to get a couple things out of the way before we start. Uh, I like responses, okay? I know Pastor Kurt hit on this a couple weeks ago. I like responses. When I'm talking to my children, I'm looking at their face and I'm sharing something with them. I like them to say, okay, yes, yes, sir, got it. You're the best, whatever they say. Okay, but I I like a response. So I don't want a room full of stoic, stern faces and bodies looking back at me. Okay, it'll be uncomfortable for me, it'll be uncomfortable for you. It's just not how I roll, okay? We are a family gathered around a table listening to the crazy cousin talk. (laughs) As I'm talking, I'm thinking, I was, and seriously, I texted Pastor Kurt last night. I said, I have a picture of Cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacation. I said, but that would make him Chevy Chase, which I'm okay with. I think that's good. All right. Secondly, I have a little exercise for us this morning, okay? Now, I, if, you, if you knew me, some of you know me very well. You had me uh, in nursery here um, or in your Sunday school class or uh, taught me. And, um, but for those of you that don't, uh, born and raised here, uh, went to Trinity High School, graduated, went to Messiah College where I was a, a theater major. My, my, my degree is in theater for acting and design and directing, and that's where I met my beautiful bride, Joanna. And um, so, but as an actor, we always, we do all these weird exercises that everybody makes fun of, of us for. But so I got, I just had a thought of a, a vocal exercise for us. Um, I thought it would be cruel and fun and we might as well do it. Um, so I'm going to, I want us to say these words. To, all right, listen. So 10 times in a row, use your hands if you have to, okay? But I, and out loud, this is, I want, I want an actual response. Okay, ready? One, two, three, go. That's hard, isn't it? I was, I was sitting in my office sometime, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Toy boy, toy boy, toy boy, toy boy, toy boy, toy boy. What am I saying? Um, so anyway, we also, so we know we like responses, and you also know that we like laughter and lightheartedness here in this church family, right? All right. So with those things, we ready? Okay. Responses, I like it. Okay, so how many of you would say that you're good at recreating something that you see? So like if you see a picture, um, you know, for, for some women, you might see a picture of some really fun thing on Pinterest or Instagram, and you're like, oh, I can do that, right? Anybody, anybody like to dabble in those kind of things? Okay, or you see, you see something that somebody's built, and you're like, oh, yeah, guys, oh, I could do that. I just need a picture. I don't need any instructions, just a picture. I'm fine. So have you ever seen or heard of, uh, this might be for, well, this is for those that, that like to uh, look online at Pinterest and Instagram and all that, the people that do the nailed it, 
photos. Okay, so for those of you that don't know what it is, this is, the, this is when people attempt to recreate things that they see. Okay, we're just gonna look at a couple as an example. Go ahead. <laughs> so obviously here, here we have the aspirations. This child is perfect, perfectly situated and listen, I'm just going on record to say that is probably dad that decided to do this one, <laughs> to wrap his kids up in some C9 Christmas lights. Okay, next one. <laughs> oh, Lord. That demon-possessed mermaid. <laughs> All right, what about the next one? Uh, okay, <laughs> this one's kind of hard to see. Can we drop the lights for a second? Maybe you'll see it if we drop the lights better. Keep, go, take them all the way out. There you go. So look at this. We have a hedgehog cake. <laughs> I don't know if you can see, but the one on the, the right has teeth. <laughs> all right, what about the next one? Oh. <laughs> bless. We in the Christian church say bless their heart. <laughs> all right, next one. <laughs> That poor thing is melted. All right, I think that's it on those. And um, so I guess we can adequately say that what those people experienced did not exceed their expectations, <laughs> right? It also, when we look at those, it's not hard to spot which one's the original and which one is the, the fake recreation, right? It's... it's I hope, we'll pray afterwards, if not, I hope it's very obvious, okay? But what about some other pictures that we look at? So let's look at this next one. Uh, you're gonna have to pull the lights down maybe again. It's a little more challenging, right? Okay, what about the next one? For all you women, here you go. All right, next one. Okay. It's a little bit harder to differentiate between the two, is it not? So as I was preparing for what we we're gonna talk about today, seriously, there's something about stepping up here, it like all the moisture sucks out of your body. I feel, like, feel like I just ate cotton balls, anyway. <laughs> but I felt a, a strong statement saying that we need to stop accepting the counterfeit version of God's stuff. Okay? Now, when he first shared that sentence with me, I was a little bit, Confused. I, I kind of got where we were going, but this, this, I'm telling you, this has been a wild ride um, preparing for this today. So God alone creates, right? We believe he is the creator of all things. Nothing is created outside of him. The enemy, we know our enemy, 
He can't create anything. He doesn't have that power. If you want to do a biblical study of where the enemy came from, if you're new to Christianity, it might, it might surprise you that he was an angel that was cast out of heaven because of the pride and the jealousy that rose in, in him. And there were people that went, or people, angels that went with him as demons um, who chose to follow after that. So he doesn't have the skill, the power to create. But what he is very skilled at is twisting. He's very skilled at making counterfeit things. And I, so God, I mean, we conversing about this and, and all these things that God has created and, and he's challenging me to look, look for what is the counterfeit version of it. Um, and this led me to a word that I was not planning on pursuing in this, when I was talking about this, and the word is pervert, okay? So in our current vernacular, we kind of reserve the word pervert for sexual immorality, okay? And that's part of it. But then I wanted to get down to see what's the original text, what's the original language, the original definition for that word, pervert, okay? Mrs. Carter, I'm, I'm doing word study, digging in. I told her before service, I said, we're going to start mentioning you every service, anything with grammar, Mrs. Carter. I was not the best student, so look out. Um, so I want to break this down in, in Latin, okay, so... The word pervert, per, means away. I don't know if it's verter, verter, somebody who speaks Latin. My wife did Latin. How would I pronounce it? I'm fine. <laughs> so to turn. So the literal definition of the word pervert is to turn away from. To turn away from something. This is how the enemy lures us in. His job description, we know this, Pastor Kurt reiterates it to us. His job description is short and clear. It's to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? So we know that. We know the overall battle plan, but we also know how the battle ends. Okay? We know that. As Christians, we have the assurance. We know who wins in the end. We know where he ends up. And we're commissioned by Jesus to destroy the works of the enemy. So I feel like what God kind of gave me as we're talking through this, he told me, he said, I'm giving you a sneak peek at the battle plans. Like you think about, think about this from like a war standpoint. If the, if the other side, if the opposing side could see the battle plans and thwart or negate one of the attacks that's coming, that's beneficial, right? So God gives us those things all the time. There are, especially there are certain people that are gifted in seeing attacks of the enemy coming from a distance. They're, they're, it's a, they, they take a general position from a war standpoint. But I'm just, I'm telling you this morning that we're getting a sneak peek at this. So we've already established that the enemy can only twist or pervert something into tempting or misleading or turning us away from what is true, what is good, what is the intended, what is handcrafted by God. His goal is to get us to look over here, not over here. We got that? We see this picture? So, it, again, it told me, God told me to, to 
let's examine this. Let's, let's go on a little exploration of this. So God creates love, right? We know this. The enemy perverts it into lust, okay? I mean, think about it from a relationship standpoint. Think about it how the world views things. God creates prophecy. The enemy twists this into horoscopes and mediums and psychics and palm readers. The power's still there. The, the, the original intention is there, but it's been perverted. It's been turned into something else. God creates trust. The enemy perverts it into self-reliance. So we see all this all the time. It's, it's me. It's how can I make things better? Go to any bookstore. One of the largest sections you find is self-help. Self-help. And you won't find a Bible there. God creates favor. The enemy perverts it into fame. God creates boldness. The enemy perverts it into abrasiveness. God creates, now this, I have stopped on this one. I said, I don't know if I can say this because I'm fat, but <laughs> hey, I speak the truth in love. Um, <laughs> no, but listen, so God creates nutrition. The enemy perverts it into artificial flavor. Now, like I was, I kind of joked that the first time this popped in my head, but I'm going, wait a second. What do we see? We see, we know that our bodies are being affected by what we have been eating, the chemicals, the things that we have been, things that are created by man, things that are altered and all that stuff. We know it, we see it. The, the cultures and the communities that don't have any of that are way healthier. It, 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 it was, it was just a moment. I'm not saying go home and throw out every bit of artificial anything, it's of the devil. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's not what was intended, okay? So God creates blessing. The enemy perverts that into greed. God creates justice. The enemy perverts it into self-interest. What can you do to make me feel better? How can you write it in me? God creates, now this is real personal to me, but God creates music. And what does the enemy do? The enemy, music is so integral, so integral to us as people. And the enemy knows that. So he knows if he can get in and twist lyrics and put people famous that can, that can spill just dirt and filth into our young people and, and all of it. If he can get into there, he knows it's a direct line in because it's so powerful. We know it's powerful. God creates joy, the enemy can pervert that into happiness. Don't yell heresy at me, okay? I am not, I'm not saying that being happy is a bad thing. I'm not saying that happiness is from the devil, okay? It's not. All good things come from God, okay? So I'm, I'm not saying that. But happiness is not the top thing. It's not what he paid for, okay? Jesus didn't pay for us to have happiness. But because God does create amazing things like creation, laughter, food, people, love, nature, we see happy things, we see happy happenings, and we get to experience that. 
Last week, Pastor Kurt was talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, two weeks ago. A while ago, Pastor Kurt was talking <laughs> about the fruit of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit, it was a great, I mean, I, I strongly urge you, here's a plug, go back and, and go to centralconnect.org stream. You can watch the services, you can download them, you can get the, the podcast on iTunes and listen to it because it was a new way of thinking because I get, got lured into the thinking that uh, Holy Spirit like shows up with, with grocery bags full of fruit, okay, and like sets them all down and and we, you just say, oh, well, I didn't get much banana. I just got a, a little bit. So I only got a little bit of love. I'm real, I'm real good at peace, but mm, I could handle a few more apples of joy and all this other stuff. And it's not. We're, we're looking at, at what he's carrying rather than the person carrying them. So Holy Spirit comes. He brings all the fruit. He brings all the fruit. We don't get to say, well, I, I, don't, I don't need that one. I just need a little bit more of this one. So he brings it all. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is happiness one of those fruit? Everybody's listening. Joy, see, I like responses. This, this crowd's, yeah, there's a little meter. I have a meter over top of every section. This crowd's going up right there, okay? Okay, so, but we know joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Again, I'm not saying happiness is bad. We know that we have free will, which means that we have a choice, which means that we can choose joy. Just like the other fruit. We can choose to have peace or not. It's way better if we do. Um, and so I've been thinking about how we perceive the things that God created. This kind of led me to think about this. And when we say words like, joy and favor and prophecy and blessings, all these things God created. We have a tendency, I, I'll say I, I have a tendency to move them to a lofty position in my head. They seem unattainable, harder, farther to reach. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like they're big words. If you, if you would talk to a non-believer, they would be lofty ideas. <clears throat> but I believe that's the enemy trying to trick us into thinking they're farther off than they really are. It's harder to get, what he's saying, it's harder to get joy, it's harder to get peace. You're in the midst of a bunch of junk. There's no way you can have peace that passes a natural understanding. It's not possible. That's what the enemy says in our minds, or sometimes we think it's just our self-talking which is the scariest, that's the scariest thing, is to stand in front of a mirror and hear thoughts. You know, when you really start examining, thoughts can come from two places, two voices, that's it. I've never heard God say any of those things. So examine it. Every word that you hear, every negative thing, you stand in front of a mirror, Talk about all this stuff. You wish this was different. You know, all, the, all these other things that enter in. Just be careful where the source is. So I got to thinking of the enemy wants the poison really close to us. He doesn't want it far away. He wants it close. If, 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 if a being is trying to kill another being, he's gonna have the poison close to that other being. So it led me to think of, a, of uh, my childhood, a, a movie from that I remember watching as a kid, Snow White, okay? And when the evil queen 
turns herself into the old hag uh, and, and walks up. I think I, I pulled a picture on it, okay? Creepy, I know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just amusing a good visual here. Because sometimes we also forget what the enemy looks like. He's an ugly, ugly creature that has nothing but, but stealing, killing, and destroying on his mind. But sometimes we entertain him way too close. Um, so Snow White has this. She's holding out right in front of Snow White, taunting, taunting, tempting. This is better. This is good. This is what you want. All the things that you ever wanted in your life come true if you have this. Does that sound like a biblical story to anybody? How about Eve in the garden? Taste it. It won't really happen. We would never, he would never do that to you. Things will turn out okay. How about when Jesus was tempted in Matthew 4, right? I'm, 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 yeah, Matthew 4. Jesus is being tempted. Satan says, well, you've been out here a long time. You're hungry. Turn that stone into bread. It won't matter. It's okay. I'll give you everything you need. The enemy wants us to think that it's easier to get his version, his perversion, than it is to get God's original intended. He makes us believe that you have to be better. I've screwed up too much to get whatever. I'm not holy enough. Um, I'm not mature enough in Christ. But if we believe what the Bible says, how many of you believe what the Bible says? In response, I asked a question, we raised our hand. Now, I mean, if you don't, it's okay. I mean, we'll have to talk about that. But Matthew 11:30, he says, my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light, light. That doesn't sound like it's hard to get. He's making it, he wants to make it simple for his kids, okay? Now, I am not claiming, disclaimer, for the remainder of the sermon, I am not claiming to be an ancient language specialist, okay? I am definitely not claiming to be an English scholar. I can barely speak good, okay? But I know it's well, Mrs. Carter. <laughs> but I think there's something that we need to dive into here. There are arguments in the theological world that happiness and joy are so similar that it's not worth separating the two. I beg to differ. And I, boy, I was on the fence for a while. I mean, I wrote all this, I'm going, well, really? I don't know, maybe. And, and I, really had to, I really had to get alone with God and talk about some of this. And, and he had to lay out some very clear pictures to me. But if I'm thinking about this, you know, I got discouraged a little bit in my preparation for this. I'm going, mm, am I off? Am I, am I off thinking? And God took me right back to those counterfeit, the good counterfeit photos that we saw. Okay, and this is, this is, what, this is what encouraged me and it might encourage you too. The things are both so similar, but they are definitely worth investigating the differences because one has high value and one doesn't. So it encouraged me to go, no, I'm gonna press on in this because there's great value attached to truth. There's great value attached to truth. 
Isaiah 55, and we're gonna, we're gonna say this several times through the sermon, so I want it to get ingrained. God says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, so he has bigger thoughts, bigger plans, bigger ideas, clearer picture than we ever can unless we press in with him. So a question I have, I have a lot of questions in this sermon. I don't know, it just, it's, it's a lot of questions. Are we setting ourselves, our, our sights too low? I mean, that, that's, that's what my, my gut reaction when, when I'm starting to look at all this. Are we allowing ourselves, the church as a whole, his children, to become satisfied with a subpar standard, accepting it as satisfactory? So like, seriously, we, we say things like, we would, I don't know that we would articulate it if somebody asked us, but it's what happens. Like, we become okay with okay. Like, it's, this, is, this is fine. It's fine. God doesn't want a fine church. Like, he doesn't want kids that are just okay. Never once do we see that in Scripture, that just being sufficient, just being okay, sure. Not the best, but it's fine. So, this made me look into examining the word happy, okay? Because I'm going, okay, there are times um, I'm looking in concordances and scriptural research and look at all this stuff, stuff I never thought I would do. Anyway, I'm doing all this, researching about happy. The word happy itself is not based in Greek, Hebrew, or Latin, Okay? There, there is no word for happy in the original languages. It was a word developed in Middle English, okay? Much later, there's a little bit of German, uh, German influence in the word. And it means, the, the original intention of it is to mean fortunate. Okay? The closest we can get, you know, there are some, uh, there are some translations of the Bible that use happy, in a few instances. Not a lot, but there are a few. And so I had to go through and, and look up those scriptures and try and trace back to the original word. The closest word in the original text is blessed. Okay, so, so we've seen like in the Beatitudes, some translations might say happy is the man that whatever, happy is this. But more often than not, in the original language and in the majority of translations, it's translated as blessed. Now, I know we might be splitting hairs on this, but we also have to understand how the world perceives it. The world would perceive blessed and happy differently. They might, not, they might not equate those two things the same. So I think it's worth us looking into. So we look in our current dictionary, they lump them all together. Joy, blessed, fortunate, lucky, happy, all that, it's all one word, okay? It's all, it all means the same thing, they become synonyms. But that doesn't mean that's the standard that we should attach ourselves to. So I keep coming back. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts than our, than our thoughts. So this then moves me into the camp of, of solidly believing that happiness is circumstantial. Okay? Again, don't hear what I'm, I'm not saying. Happiness itself is bad. I like to be happy. I like happy things. Okay? but it is circumstantial. Contrary to a popular statement that has been around, I don't know how long it's been around, 
Money can buy you happiness. It absolutely can buy happiness. When you look at it, it's happening, yeah. Buy a brand new car, no bank attached to it, I'd be happy. You know what I mean? There, there, there are things, it does create happy moments. And you can see this because everything that is promoted in the world is about purchasing, getting, having, obtaining this, and it will make this. It will make your life better. So that should tell us right there that like if we get this, then this happens. So that would mean it's circumstantial because if I don't get this, then this won't happen is what they're saying. A salesperson is trying to get you to say, if you don't buy this car, your life will be miserable. Okay? So what I boil that down to is a tangible desire in the natural realm to create something that is supposed to change us supernaturally internal. Does that make sense? So we're, we're saying, I'm taking this natural desire to be happy, okay? I'm gonna do what I can to make myself happy, to create that well within us. I would much rather thrive on joy than survive on happiness. I mean, think, think about that. If, I mean, if we're, if we're just going on being happy, you have to continually seek something to make you happy. You have to continue to best what you've experienced so that you get happier. That's what we call a rat race. <laughs> on the wheel, we're just spinning. We're just doing this, just to keep trying to one-up our neighbor, one-up this, one-up the last experience, get it bigger than we had last time, do this, do that, do this. That is striving. Um, you know, the Bible tells us, God tells us to cling to our faith, right? Cling to our faith. Cling to our faith. It's important. Faith is what sets us apart from everybody else. Faith in God and faith in, in, in what he can do. Happiness doesn't need faith. Joy needs faith, though. Joy needs faith, but happiness doesn't need faith. If you get enough money, you can buy that anyway, and you're, and you're good. I'm not saying it's all just uh, purchasing things. Um, it was, was listening to something a while ago, uh, and in, in preparation for this, uh, Bill Johnson, a pastor uh, at another church, just a sermon I was listening to, and he talked about the book of Luke. In the book of Luke, Jesus tells the disciples that the kingdom of God is, is in our midst, it's within you. It's, it's the kingdom of God, it's not some lofty thing, it's, it's actually happening right here. So it's something that starts on the inside and works its way out. Okay, that's, that's what that is. So we know that getting great wealth doesn't solve problems. Does it, I mean, well, I guess we can raise hands. We like responses. Do you know anybody who has it all and has lots of problems? I'm not saying all, but do you, even celebrities, do we see people? I mean, even if it's not super close to you, somebody who has everything that the world wants and they still have problems, right? Because that happens. So <laughs> this, oh, this, this challenged me though. So we know that great wealth doesn't solve problems. 
So if your vision of yourself is poor inside and you get a lot of money, it won't take long before it's poor on the outside because you'll squander. Look at the prodigal son. He had a screwed up vision of himself, took all the money and lived happily ever after, right? On his own in pigsty. No, he lost it all. He lost it all and he had to come back to the father. Um, so this just drives home the illustration to me that the inside part is so key. The internal part is so key. Pastor Kurt, I, I believe this is one of the reasons why he was led to preach on joy to our family here. Because if this church body can activate what is supposed to be internal, it will have no other option other than to leak out to those around us. If it's real true change inside of us, it will leak out to those around us. So if we're not leaking, like I'm, I'm saying, these are hard questions that we don't like to ask. But if I'm not leaking to those around us, do I have it? I don't know. We don't like to ask ourselves that because it seems hard and it's challenging. You say, come up a little bit higher. So I believe, you know, we will see transformation here in our lives, in ourselves, in this community, in the, the areas that we all touch. All of us are in spheres of influence due to work and family and all that other stuff. Um, Romans 15.3, Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will, find you com will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to overflow. You know, there's an old, there's an old gospel song. It just kept going through my head as looking at this. Um, Lord, send a revival and let it begin in me. Let it begin in me. That's what revival is. It's a bunch of fires burning from the inside that spreads like wildfire. Um, so it's that, it's that internalized. And because of, if it were circumstantial, if our joy was circumstantial, then we would have to really revisit somebody like Paul in the Bible. Because this man's in prison. And this is not like nice prison, comfortable, with a little bed. I mean, this is a hole in the ground, stones, Leap, snakes, spiders, oh, uh, nasty things in the bottom of a pit. And he's writing to the church of Ephesians and says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That right there is our argument for whether it's circumstantial or not. Because if it was circumstantial, he wouldn't have wrote that. That would not have gotten written that day. So, so that has to tell us that. So if this were about happiness, he wouldn't have wrote that. You know, Pastor Kurt hit on a couple weeks ago about Christ, that the cross was the joy set before him. That's what he endured for. That's not circumstantial. Because in the natural, that doesn't seem like a good thing. But he knew what it would cause, what it would free up, what it would make access to. So that, that moved joy as his long-term target. Um, okay, so I'm going to interject. I've been talking a lot, I, and I just had this, I had this thought I just want to say. 
Um, we're gonna talk to the married men. Okay, so married men, do any of you have a, a dog at home? Raise your hand. Okay, so if you wanna find out if your wife loves you more than your dog or your dog more than your wife, I have a test. Would you like to hear it? The wives are interested too. Open your trunk, put your wife and your dog in your trunk, close the, close the door, and wait an hour. Open it up and see who's happy to see you. I'm just saying. Remember Cousin Eddie? I'm just saying. <clears throat> okay, okay. So back, back. <laughs> that, was, that was a commercial break. Um, every, everybody that was sleeping just woke up. What is wrong? What's going on? Gotcha. No. Um, so I, because of my art background, like word pictures and all that stuff is really important to me. And I saw this one and it just like, it, it made sense to me. So this word picture is, and I think we're gonna have it up on the screen. Happiness is like rising bubbles. You ever been in the pool and you're like, that, that, I used to, I do it to the kids this summer. They just love all the little bubbles that go up, like, ooh, all this stuff, okay? So they're delightful, but they're inevitably fleeting. But joy is the oxygen that is ever present. So you're like, when you, I mean, it is. We, we start to unlock a, a picture with that. Um, so we can't stop at happiness. We have to trace the source. The bubbles aren't the source. The oxygen creating the bubbles is the source. Do we see that? Do we see the difference there? Do we see the picture? Do we see why it's worthwhile? Because we'll always stop short if we don't. So praying about all this, and God asked me a question. Now, this is a side note to you. Anytime he's asked me a question, it has leveled me. He just asks, he asks a question, you're like, my brain hurts now, I don't know. So, we'll, here, we'll use my theatrical background a little bit, okay? So, I'm, I, I'm talking with God, and God says, Adam, I can't do a God voice, I can wish, Adam. What is the definition of insanity? Okay, so I said, what all you're saying, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I used that test, okay? To which he said, right. Okay? Do we want to expound on this? Let me just say right. <laughs> Do you think my church has been insane?
God says, you keep calling on a fresh work, keep calling on something new, you keep begging me to move, begging me to do something. (laughs) But you keep doing the same thing over and over again, and you keep thinking that something new is going to happen miraculously. Just doing, you're just doing what you've always done because you've always done it. You've, you've gotten stuck in a rut. It's time for us to choose something different. If we actually want to see results, if we actually want to see something happen, we have to choose something different because the status quo isn't cutting it. It's not cutting it. The church doesn't have enough joy. Not just here, the church, the bride of Christ, doesn't have enough joy. We all could say that, but we're not doing anything different about it. Proverbs 14, 12 has a warning for us. It says, the path before each person, that's, there, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it is death. And it just, it like, it jerked me right back to, to the devil perverting something. His goal is to say, pursue this, not this, and you'll be fine. This is a side note in here. I didn't know if I would share it. it, it this is a personal, this is a personal opinion and a personal thought about this, but it's worth looking into, I think. I, I personally feel like the enemy is not he's not scared of an ineffectual church saying he's i mean he's basically saying you're, you're one person who cares if you stay in this if you stay in this box and never affect anybody else and you stay quiet and you just stay here well it's one lost but if you're leaking You're a problem. And these things, joy, favor, blessings, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, all will, if we actually pursue it, will cause leaking. Okay? Okay? (laughs) These things will flow to those around. This stuff doesn't. So if he can keep his church here, if he can keep the church, not his church, I'm sorry. If he can keep the church here, he doesn't have to worry about us. We just play church. We've talked about that. You just play church, you're over there, you're fine. I don't have to worry about you. I'm gonna go after these people who are out here doing something about it. Okay? So... You know, there's been this adage that's been in the church. Some of you might have heard it from relatives or things. You know, but the the whole thing of, well, why should I become a Christian? It doesn't look much different. You know, like we look at the divorce rate in church, it's not much different than the world. So why why should a a non-believer say, I want that? If you're just as miserable as your coworker two cubicles down, it's not a great example that, he wants to say, I would like to trade this for that because that doesn't look good, okay? 
So I mean, that, that's, that's what, we're, what, what we have coming against us. So it's a little bit insane that in so many ways, the people that know Christ aren't that different from the ones who don't. If we're not different, we need to have a body check. If we're not different, there's something wrong. There's, an, there's a flaw in our thinking. There's a gap there. So what if we could catch a real glimpse of what we could have? What if we could actually see what we're intended to have, what we were created to have, what God has called us to have? Uh, I have this kind of movie that I'm going to take you guys on in my head. I'll, I'll try, um, I'll try and, and articulate this so that you can see this picture. So I, I see this person. Um, you can picture whoever it is, male, female, any age. But I see this person in a house and uh, dark windows. They don't, they don't see the world. They don't get to see the seasons change. Uh, they're just existing. Um, and they don't go out, but every day people, something brings them food and drops off food to them. Okay, so they're, they're rooting through the, the food and they pull out a box of strawberries. Okay, little plastic container of strawberries. Now, these strawberries are white and green, little bits of pink on them, but you can tell, we could tell if we saw them, they'd be severely underripe. They're GMO'd to the hilt. They're like this big. We know strawberries were never created to be this big, right? Just saying. So they're, they're GMO'd to the hilt. They're this big. They're like, they're pink and white with a little bit of, of green on them. They're watery. They're, they just have a weird texture Okay, but to this person, you know, and they're eating them in, let's say, November, okay? So, but this is the only kind of strawberry this person's ever known. So they eat the strawberry, and that's the strawberry to them. In, the, in, their, in their dictionary of life experience, this is their strawberry. But then someday, I'm gonna say this in like, Let's say my birthday, May 29th, okay? Put it in your calendar. Uh, chocolate and peanut butter, amen? Um, <laughs> no, okay, so we're in, we're in late May. Somebody knocks on the door and pulls this person out of their house, puts them in a car, drives them um, to a farm, a little mom and pop farm who's never GMO'd nothing, Okay? No pesticides, none of that stuff. And, and this person is led up to a field and bends down in the field and with this other person picks this. So they're picking these perfectly plump, perfectly red, totally red, not a blemish, not a spot, no pesticides, nothing, and picks a handful of these strawberries. Now, this person already knows, our, our person, our, our person from this house, already knows that something is up. Something is different because although they're familiar, it smells different, okay? It, it looks different. 
It doesn't quite look what I've always experienced. There's something familiar about it, but this is not what I see in my dictionary as a strawberry. And so they wash them, of course, wash your fruit. Um, and they pick up that strawberry to their lips, and right as it's getting closer to their lips, their sensory system is on overload. They're smelling a smell they've never smelled before. It's like beyond crazy good. Now, if you're allergic to strawberries or you hate strawberries, maybe substitute a fruit. But I love, I love a strawberry, so I, I saw this picture of strawberry. So this person has this fruit up, sensory system going haywire, and they bite into it. And the full flavor of what God intended for a person to experience when he created a strawberry suddenly bursts into life. Can we see that? Can we see this picture? This person never knew that that's actually what a strawberry was supposed to taste like. They never knew that that's what it was. They have only had that thing. But they suddenly realize that what they were eating is severely underrated. That my bar was so low by eating these things, I had no clue what was possible. That it was okay, it was mediocre, it was fine, but they didn't know that then. When you're in it, that's your reality, that's it. They wouldn't have, they, they backed up in time, they wouldn't have categorized it as mediocre, that was just a strawberry. But now once you see where the bar actually should be, it makes that pale in comparison. So, we take that person back to their little secluded home and shut the doors, shut the windows and all that stuff. Bring them their food the following day and they get a box of strawberries. And they're the white and green oversized big is that person excited to eat those strawberries anymore? No. Why? Because they've tasted and seen what the real thing is. They have experienced the full intended created version. And so the other thing doesn't have value anymore. We have to adjust what we have value in. We have to shift it. We have to. So the expectations are just now blown out of the water. And so those nasty things won't cut it anymore. This is a picture that God needs his church to see. This is why he's telling us about his joy. So how do we really adjust our expectations in the anticipation of something greater? I believe that a main reason is because we've gotten stuck, complacent, satisfied, and we have not really full-on pursued the full thing that God has for us. Psalms 34 says it, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, I got looking at C.S. Lewis wrote a book about joy. Um, C.S. Lewis, if you're not familiar, he is a writer, a thinker. Uh, he was a writer and a thinker. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, beautiful parallels and, and wordsmith uh, of, of being able to articulate something in the spiritual in, in, in new terms. 
But he's talking about joy, and, and I have this quote we'll put up there to read. Joy, in my sense, this is him talking, joy, in my sense, has indeed one characteristic and only one in common with them. He's talking about happiness and pleasure. The fact that anyone who has experienced it will want it again. I doubt whether anyone who has tasted it would ever, if they both were in his power, exchange it, joy, for all the pleasures in the world. So if we're satisfied with these things, my logical line of thought is that we haven't tasted the other strawberries. If we're here, that means we haven't done this because surely anybody who has eaten this won't go back to this. So then it's time to experience more of this. Remember, his ways, higher than our ways. His thoughts, higher than our thoughts. Now, we're a big family here at Central. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, I have already figured out, Adam, that pleasures and all the stuff and all that, it doesn't really bring happiness. I know it, it's, it's fleeting, but it's, it's not the real thing. I already have that. Great. My question is then, why don't we see more joy in our midst. If we have it, if you have it, you gotta be leaking it, okay? So this led me to, to thinking that it's our gut reaction. Our gut reaction is wrong way more than we think. Our gut reaction is way more wrong than we think. Now, you may be a person that says, oh, I trust my gut. I know immediately. Meet somebody? No, exactly. Now, I'm not talking about when our spirit man has a, a gut checking or, or a conviction because the Holy Spirit has, has said something isn't right there. Something's not, I mean, I, I, I get that. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when somebody cuts you off on the road, that reaction is what I'm talking about. When you're sick, and the first thing you reach for is the medicine cabinet. I'm not saying medicine's bad. Trust me, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, is that our gut reaction? I just got fired, or I just lost my, uh, I just, my, my relationship with this person just ended. What's your first reaction? Is it to call your best friend? Your personal best friend? So, the gut reaction, I just keep coming back to that. We know our gut reaction is tied so closely to our flesh. And Pastor Kurt has preached on that before, is, is that disconnect of, of our natural man and our spirit man. And, and our gut is natural, right? Your gut is natural. And the natural system that we live in is perfect, right? The natural world we live in is great. No, it's severely flawed. So we have to readjust. Then my gut might be wrong. So we have to bring our gut into alignment where it needs to be in priority. And it's not the front. We're spirit for that spirit man is out front. The, the gut shouldn't be leading the pack. Because I tell you, the gut will always screw it up. 
And, you know, that's why we fast. It's one of the reasons that we fast. It's to tell our body, you're not in charge. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So if you ever wanna do a gut check on where your gut lines up, we have a great example to look at, and it is Jesus. Fully man, laid down his, his divinity to be fully man and to show us an example of how to live. So his gut should be our, his, his responses should be our calibration for our gut. Does that make sense? So, but if you look at how he responded to certain situations, it jacked them disciples up. It did. His response was so different than what you would do in the natural. It, it messed them up. Cut the man's ear off. Don't do that. Put, the, put it away. Look at the Beatitudes. How Jesus is talking about them. Blessed are the poor or they will inherit. That's different than the natural thinking, right? How about when he talked to wealthier, high power individuals that a lot of other people showed such reverence and respect for, but he got right to the core of what they were dealing with. He responded to them in a way that other people hadn't. What about Zacchaeus? Little man, big problems, okay? And how Jesus responded to him. And everybody's going, you can't go to his house. You can't do that. How about the parables? What about how he addressed the adulterous Samaritan woman? The disciples are going, you can't talk to her. Get over here. Stop it. It's different. It was a different response. How about when Mary Magdalene smashed the, the oil? Poured it out. All the, the, the religious mind around them going, what is she doing? That was like $19 trillion. To them, it was a lot of money. I don't know if it was that, but it was a lot of money. His response was different. How about knowing what Judas was gonna do? Knowing that one person that you're gonna pour your life into for three years was gonna do that kind of thing. His response was different. Um... How about when they beat him and spit on him and accused him? And he stood there and didn't defend himself. So if we were real honest, if I was real honest, I would say that my reaction, usually my natural gut reaction, would not end me up in the same position that it ended up with him. Um, how many of you here in this room, this is an actual response, believe that Jesus was as full of joy as he could possibly be? Raise hand. It's like classroom, raise your hand. We believe that. Okay, we, we, we see that. That's not hard for us to see. How many believe that the same joy is available to us? How many of us struggle at times with not having it? We're, we're doing honesty today. 
Karen, will you come up and play for a little bit, please? I didn't give you a warning, sorry. Surprise. Um, So, a question that came up to me, God asked me, and I'm going to ask you, maybe it'll resonate to you too. Am I willing to pray for the full measure no matter the cost? Because it says we'll be strangers. It means we will be different. We won't be allowed to live the same life that we lived before. If not, we'll just, I mean, you can just play church and play Christianity. But if we're not willing to be different, then we're not praying for the full measure of it. So, you know, we've talked about normal Christianity. Are we willing to make our normal Christianity so abnormal from the people around us? That's a big, that's a, that's a shift. Our normal Christianity, it doesn't blend in with the world. Normal Christianity does not blend in with the world. It is what we were intended. It's what God intends for us, but it doesn't blend, out, blend in the world. It, it is a light amongst darkness. So I would like to be able to stand here and say that I have three easy steps to experience God's full joy that never will falter and that I have experienced it. I've experienced joy and I've never once lived a life or a moment without his joy. But I can't do that because I would be lying and it would be confusing to everybody. But what I can do is point out three things in the Bible that I believe will bring big results because if we believe what the Bible says, if we believe his word is true, if we believe the outcome will be the outcome that he says it is, then there is a reference point for us. So the first thing that I'm encouraging, if we need joy, is to ask is to ask for joy, a full measure of joy. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, this is for when we get really tired of praying for something that we haven't seen yet. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find it. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. God's not holding back from us. He, he doesn't have a wall saying, well, once you get good enough, I'll, I'll start throwing down stuff. He, he doesn't operate like that. We have to change our perspective of how God views, our children, views his children. He is ready. He's ready. Like he's ready to pour everything that he has for us. Psalm 84, 11. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So he's ready. He's ready. 
He's ready. You know, we can't get hung up on time. It says in Psalms, Moses, uh, uh, I don't know, you have to look it up. Uh, Moses talking about the Psalms, but he says, a thousand years is but a couple hours in the night. So we're in the natural flawed system. So if God doesn't do it tomorrow, we're all of a sudden offended. He doesn't operate in that kind of setting. We don't know creation. We don't know if that one day, we don't know. We don't know. And it, here's, the, here's the best part of it. It doesn't make a spit of difference. It shouldn't affect how we love, how we live, how we love him. Not at all. But we can't get hung up if it's not, I need joy right now. Amen. If it doesn't happen, then we get mad at him or madder because we felt like all of a sudden he held it back. So ask, keep on asking. That, that shows that childlike heart. How many times, how many of you are parents or have, how many of you have parented children? Do they ask for something once and done? Do they ask for something once and done? Can I watch a show? Can I watch a show? Can I watch a show? Can I watch a show later? Can I watch a show when we get home? Can I watch a show? But God says to maintain that childlike heart. We as adults ask once, if it doesn't happen. God says childlike heart. So childlike heart means I'm gonna keep on asking. I'm not gonna get discouraged. I'm gonna keep on asking. Second thing I'm gonna bring up, 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul models this. Paul stressed this to the church loudly, big time. Pay attention. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Always be joyful. Always. Not sometimes, not when you feel like it. Always. So that means we have to choose joy all the time. Never stop praying. Goes back to keep on asking, keep on petitioning, keep on, keep on keeping on, okay? 18 says, be thankful in all circumstances. And he's talking about these three. So being joyful, always being joyful, never stop praying and being thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So it's our will, it's our will, it's, it's his will that we always pray, that we always maintain joy, and that we will be thankful in all circumstances. We have to choose joy, <laughs> okay? This is the tough part, myself, this is me preaching to me, okay? We have to choose joy when we don't feel like it. When it's the last thing on our mind to do, that's when we should do it. Our natural response, we've already identified this, is our natural response usually right? No. So if our natural response is, I don't feel like rejoicing in this situation. I don't feel like rejoicing right now. I don't feel like we... Is that the right response? No. No. We rejoice no matter what the circumstance is. 
This is, a, this is, this is an eye-opening statement. It's not my statement, so I can say that. If it was mine, I wouldn't say that. So, the world says to rejoice when you have enough joy, okay? Take it outside of context of church. Like, if you get enough of this, then you can be happy, right? Enough of this equates this. But in the kingdom, it is like the scarecrow in Wizard of Oz, okay? So, in the kingdom, we have joy because we Rejoice. We get that because of this, not vice versa. The third thing. This is also challenging. This is not, this is, these are challenging thoughts. But if his ways are higher than our ways, they're going to be challenging. Like if we actually want what he has for us, it's going to challenge us. Because if not, then it's a natural thought and it's down here. It's low hanging fruit. So the third thing, we must spend time in his presence. We must spend more time in his presence. Psalm 1611 says, you make known for me the path of my life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That sounds like a good place to be. Because I get joy, and, I, and it says that I'll have pleasures forevermore. That means I'll get the other stuff. But that's because I didn't seek that stuff. I sought that, and I get this. Seek the kingdom first, and all these things will be added unto you. We get our priorities wrong. We go for this, and we never get the kingdom. Again, think back to what Satan's trying to do to us. He's trying to distract us to settle for this so that we never see this, so that we aren't effectual, so that we don't change the world. But God wants us to change the world. And he creates things that allow us to change the world. Love, joy, peace, forgiveness. All of these things will change the world because the world craves it. If the world didn't crave it, the enemy would have never created a counterfeit. If music didn't speak to the very soul of a person, the enemy would never, have, would never spend the time that he does creating a counterfeit version of it. If happiness doesn't distract us from joy, he wouldn't put attention on it. So we have to realign these think our thinking. We press on in faith because we believe that it's worth it. It's worth it. It has to be worth it. Another C.S. Lewis quote, when, as he was talking about joy, it just jumped out. This is his definition of joy. An unsatisfied desire, which itself is more desirable than any other satisfaction. Okay? Just, I had to read this like four times. Okay? So, an unsatisfied desire, a hunger that I can't stop. Okay, so have we, have we ever been so hungry that it hurts? Amen. I mean, it's 12, seven, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> it'll be fine, don't worry. I don't, I, look, look, there's no other page to turn, so we're fine. Okay, 
So a hunger that becomes painful. This is what he's saying. The hunger that is painful is better than the pleasures because of how good it is. So an unsatisfied desire, a hunger, which itself, that pain of hunger is more desirable than all the good stuff that could happen. That's a person who has tasted the real stuff. That's, uh, that's, that is a statement from somebody who's had the real stuff. Said the real stuff is so good, I'd rather be hungry than have that. I'd rather go without than to settle for that. I would like to be more unsatisfied. I wanna be more unsatisfied. I want our church family here to be unsatisfied. Satisfaction gets you into a rut. Not talking about him not being enough for us. He's more than enough for us. But we get down here in a rut and you're like, well, I'll just just stay here. It's hard to go up this little... So I say, let's go for broke. Let's go for it. Pastor Kurt's been encouraging us. Let's go for it. Let's choose to be different and watch what happens. What's the worst that could happen? And we could either stay in a rut and never do anything or we try something new and it explodes. Can you put up the picture of those strawberries again? I don't want those nasty strawberries anymore. I don't want this, I want that. Um, Stand. Okay, so there's different, there's different places that we can be at this morning and there's different responses that we can do and we can just leave and say, yep, it's challenging. Yep, I wish I had more joy, but I don't feel it right now, so tough cookies. I have, I have four, I've kind of broken us up into four groups. Uh, close your eyes, get alone with God for a minute. So there is no... There's no judgment on wherever, wherever group you're in. I just want you to see yourself in a group because if we don't see ourselves in a group, he can't do anything with it. If, he doesn't, if we can't identify where we are, he's not gonna, he, 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 it's limited. So identify with it this morning and let's watch what happens. So the first group is anybody who does not have a relationship with Jesus that they know that, that they, don't, they don't have the relationship that is gonna give them the access to the Father's real true joy. So without anybody looking around, but I want, I want us to do this because it's a response. I wanna do this because it's something in your spirit and you're, and you're saying, no, I, I wanna attach myself to that so that I can get out of it, so that I can identify the problem so that I can move on. So if that's you, if you feel like you don't have the relationship with Jesus that allows you the access to the Father's joy, raise your hand. With no, no condemnation, no damnation here, this is an opportunity to get out of a rut. 
Okay, thank you for being honest. For people that are gonna be really honest and admit that real true joy seems really far-fetched. It seems too lofty. It's something I can't even process yet. Again, I want you to admit it to yourself and raise your hand and be honest and say, I just don't know. It's, it sounds nice, but I can't get there right now. I don't know how to get there. Raise your hand. It's okay. Thank you. You're not alone. Every person, and you're not alone. Whatever situation you're in, you're not alone. Okay. Two more groups. For people in this family who have seen a glimpse, you've seen a glimpse of his real true joy before, but you desire to experience the floodgate, raise your hand. Amen. Come on, that shows a room full of hungry people. A room full of hungry people. All right, last group is, for those who have really, you have, you have, have locked into this in a mature way and you feel like you do have a good handle on true full joy, but you want to have a greater encounter so that you leak on everything you touch, raise your hand. Okay, so we've all raised our hands at some point. Everybody's arms up. Because we're all a part of this. We're all part of this family. We're all a position in this, in this family. So God, we're asking you today to change us. We're asking you to change us, Lord. Change our perspective. Change our thoughts change our position, change the, the, the way that we view the fruit that you have available to us, God. Lord, I pray for people in this room that feel far from it, that you would bring them close in this next season, that they would get a full revelation of your joy, of your love, of who you are, of what you've said about us, what you've called your children. Lord, I pray for people that don't have that relationship, that they get that relationship in this next season. Lord, I pray for the people who feel like it's too far, it's just too hard. I'd love to have it, but I don't see how it's possible. Lord, we pray for a supernatural divine wisdom and insight in them of what needs to change so that they can see that, how you can move them into a new position. Lord, I pray for people that have not tasted it, that they would get a taste of it, an unsatiable taste that would forever change our appetite, Lord. We're tired of one step forward, 27 steps back. Change the barometer of our, of our taste, Lord. Make it so good that we are unsatisfied with everything else. As the song says, that the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the, in the light in comparison to your glory and your grace. And Lord, I pray for those who have tapped into your joy that we would continue to learn from them in this body, that they would see the position as a fountain in this family, that they would see how important it is to overflow with joy, to overflow with the things of you to the people around us. Lord, we pray that you set this place ablaze. 
And we know that it's not this building. We know that it's your church. It's your people. It's the people that gather together and call this their family, their church. So Lord, set us afire. Set us afire, Lord. Lord, let your words and your thoughts of us just create a turmoil inside of us that, that we just keep seeking you. That I pray that there was something spoken today in each and every one of us here in this room that causes us to examine you and your word more, that gets us into your word more, that, that says, okay, I'll try it, I'll choose joy. I won't yell right now, I'll choose joy. I won't be sad, I won't be frustrated, I'll try, I'll try it. Help us to taste Lord, help us to taste you because we will see that you are good. We will see that you are good. We will see that you are all that you say you are. We love you, Lord. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for making all of these things possible. We bless and exalt and lift up the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.